it is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Welcome back to Information Operation. We have had Dr. Peter McCullough on multiple times. He's an academic physician in Texas and is one of the leading voices on what is happening with the vaccines and, and the real factual evidence behind them. Welcome, doctor. Well, thanks for having me. So, you know, we've talked many times and we've had a lot of guests on that talk a lot about the, the, the vaccine itself and whether it's safe and effective. My opinion is that the tide is starting to turn public opinion and and really uh, people really want to look to how we move forward in this as to uh, whether or not they actually take the vaccine. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you can go to any vaccine center in the United States and you certainly don't see people lining up for boosters as they were mm -hmm. lining up in December, January, and February. It's, it's clear that um, th there's really little or no public demand uh, at all mm -hmm. for the vaccinations. And we really should ask the question, why? Why doesn't the for the original vaccinations last winter? Yeah. So what do you think? I've heard some, and I don't have any facts behind this, is the boosters may have a heavier load of the mRNA type products inside them and may be more lethal. Have you heard anything about that? Or do you know the content of the boosters themselves? No, my understanding is that's not true, that the boosters okay. are, in fact, just an, another injection of the same dose. So if it's Moderna, mm -hmm. it's 100 micrograms of messenger RNA, mm -hmm. 30 micrograms of messenger RNA. And if it's Johnson & Johnson, it's the same old shot. And that yeah. may be one of the reasons why people aren't interested in them, because it's the same old shot, and, mm -hmm. and they are seeing their friends and relatives get sick with COVID-19. Yeah. In Israel, they're looking at the fourth booster. That makes absolutely no sense. It seems like almost a mass psychosis in that country. Do you, are you familiar with what's going on there and, and why the people are accepting this? You know, it's going to be five, six, or seven at some point soon, you think? You said an important word, mass mm -hmm. psychosis, and I, I think people have basically galvanized onto that concept to describe what's going on. So mm -hmm. I give credit to Dr. Matthias Desmet at the University mm -hmm. of Ghent in Belgium and Dr. Mm -hmm. Mark McDonald, a psychiatrist in Los Angeles. Um, Dr. McDonald's mm -hmm. book is out. It's called The United States of Fear. Mm -hmm. And it really does outline the principles of mass psychosis. So I want to go over this for your audience sure. uh, quickly as what I understand. Now, mass psychosis uh, has occurred with uh, the religious cult mass suicides. Uh, mm -hmm. It happened in Nazi Germany. It happened in the Soviet era. Uh, it happens in North Korea under communism. And what mass psychosis is, is when everybody believes something in the same direction that's completely absurd, Yeah, uh, which is counterintuitive. You know, how did people walk into gas chambers? Yeah, you know, How did they right. do that? How did right. they offer up their children for eugenics 
programs? How did people just all together decide to kill themselves in a mass suicide? So how, what, how this works is that what's required is four uh, parts. The first part mm. is a prolonged period of isolation. The second mm. part is uh, having things that uh, are taken away from uh, an individual or a group that uh, you previously used to result in pleasure. So removing mm -hmm. that. The third is uh, constant free-floating anxiety. It should be anxious over something over and over again. Mm -hmm. You can imagine our news cycle with uh, COVID-19 over and over mm -hmm. again, more, more anxiety about, about work or new variants or new spread or more hospitalizations, constantly a steady stream of free-floating anxiety. And then the yeah. fourth, the fourth, which is a capper, Todd, yeah. is that the solution must come from a government entity or a single source of authority. And there is no absurdity to that single solution. So mm. here we are, our singular, singular solution is obvious. It's the vaccines. Right. And there's no limit to the absurdity of the vaccine. So if, if I told you the vaccines in the US CDC vaccine adverse event reporting system have led to 18,000 deaths and 250 hospitalizations and uh, uh, 250,000 hospitalizations, ER visits, clinic visits, 30,000 people permanently disabled. If I told you that this happened within a couple of days of the shot, if I told you that the product was grossly unsafe for use, mm -hmm. the absurdity of, of the next person getting the shot would be through the roof. It's no different than walking into a gas chamber or participating in a mass suicide. We're in a mass psychosis. I think that's pretty clear. And there's no limit to the absurdity of what's going on right now. And it is pervasive. I just finished watching a commercial as I was getting ready for this interview. And it was a commercial that uh, showed an African-American uh, uh, household. There was a little five-year-old child and she told her daddy, daddy, I heard the virus is back and I'm scared. And then uh, uh, she goes, daddy, uh, have you taken the vaccine? And then he, he's obviously hesitant to take the vaccine. She goes, Daddy, I don't want to get sick. Um, uh, and then he goes, okay. He goes, I'll take the vaccine for you and you take the vaccine. Mm. I, I mean, the absurdity of that. So that breaks the um, U.S. drug and advertising laws. Uh, it breaks the Landman Act. I mean, we never advertise for a product without saying how safe and effective it is. And in fact, they follow it up with a trailer that's completely fraudulent. And the trailer says that the vaccines are associated, uh, an unvaccinated person has a 27-fold increased risk of hospitalization compared to someone vaccinated. Why is that fraudulent? Because it's based on data where the CDC basically has told hospitals to only test those individuals coming in who are unvaccinated and not to test yeah. the vaccinated. So there's still testing mm -hmm. going on before heart catheterizations and general surgeries and all these different admissions to the hospital are all being differentially COVID tested. And of course they're coming up with COVID positive cases. And it doesn't matter if it's actually COVID or not, as long as it's a positive test, it counts as a COVID hospitalization. So they're using completely fraudulent information in order to fuel this fear. And so again, there's no limit to this. At this point in time, it's completely off the rails. We're in a mass psychosis. So it's almost like it was planned. You laid out those four steps. I mean, that's exactly what has happened. Um, interesting. Well, the, the planning of the COVID-19 
you know, pandemic response yeah. and potentially the origins of the virus. Those aren't yeah. my areas of expertise, but I point right. your viewers to some wonderful books that come out. The first one out of the gate was by uh, Diane Andrews, uh, and it was called um, uh, Operation COVID. And then um, Pam Popper had a book last year, a little, a little bigger, more extensive. And then this year, Peter Bregan. Peter Bregan and Ginger Bregan have COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. Shortly mm -hmm. after that was Robert F. Kennedy. His mm -hmm. book is The Real Anthony Fauci. And now right. Scott Atlas, Scott Atlas, who was on the inside, he worked with uh, the leaders and the White House Task Force. And his is about, I think, the, the dark uh, day over the White House. But the point of these books is they're all different, by the way. None of them yeah. overlap very much. But they do point out that there was a careful, coordinated plan in the um, uh, genetic development of the spike protein on the virus. So it's more infectious, and more lethal. There was a coordinated plan to make these uh, vaccines very rapidly. And so one of the reasons I could be made rap rapidly is all the work was done ahead of time right. before the virus was let out. No wonder Operation Warp Speed, they didn't start from scratch. I mean, the documents that are cited in these books indicate that this was well worked out. Uh, you know, there, there's a scientific publication trial on the spike protein back all the way back to 2006. Wow, interesting. So uh, I have a family member, you know, and this person is uh, different politically, so we don't talk politics, but I am concerned about their health. And I'm concerned they're gonna get a booster and, and line up, you know, with all the other people that believe this stuff. How do you talk to somebody like that? Do you have any advice for that? I mean, I, I care about this person's health, um, I don't want to get into, you know, Trump and, or whatever. I just want to say, look, do you realize what's happening? What's going on? I mean, do you have yeah, this doesn't have anything to do with Democrat or, or Republican yeah. because the yeah. same discussion would be on the smallest island of Indonesia. They, they don't even know who Trump is or so, right. so it can't be Republican or Democrat. It's the same exact discussion. Yeah. Just what we know is just factually from shot one to shot two from the briefing booklets in the FDA, there was about an 80 fold increased uh, risk of what's called reactogenicity. That is, you know, the, the reaction that people have to the vaccine. It makes sense because each vaccine installs genetic material that take over a mosaic of cells to produce the dangerous spike protein. The spike protein is what makes COVID lethal. And yeah. so the vaccines are giving, in a sense, a potentially lethal install of the genetic material that produce the spike protein. It all depends on where the vaccines go. If they, by chance, have a seeding of the brain, there'll be neurologic injury. If they see mm -hmm. the heart, there'll be cardiac injury, myocarditis. If they see the bone marrow, there can be these various blood disorders that we see. We don't know the re reactogenicity of the boosters. I haven't seen convincing that the boosters cause even more uh, uh, damage or okay. disease than the first two. Um, we know that most things, for instance, the myocarditis really are on shot number two. That was shown in the uh, analysis by C. Hogue from the University of Davis that was published August uh, 29th. It was clear the vaccines clearly cause myocarditis in boys way more than girls. And it's far more on the second shot. And uh, the Koreans now have reported uh, near fatal cases of myocarditis. Washington University in St. Louis reported a fatal case this summer of myocarditis. And now uh, Jessica Rose and myself uh, have published in current problems of cardiology an analysis from the VAERS system showing the myocarditis trails all the way up to age 50. So the best wow. we can sort out is someone approaching a booster. We would look at that from a safety perspective and say, listen, it has to be at least as risky 
as shot one, shot two. It may be more risky. The great concern, though, is we now know the spike protein accumulates in right. the body with each injection. And there are now some papers that it make it abundantly clear. Bruce Patterson has led the way. Now there's a second publication uh, proving this and that the spike protein must last in the body many months. In fact, it may last more than a year. Mm -hmm. So as the body is clearing out the spike protein, remember the spike protein causes damage to the brain, to the heart, blood vessels, causes blood clotting. All this is proven. As you're trying to remove this dangerous protein from the body through your natural clearance systems called phagocytosis, that can take a long time. So if we keep doing an install and right. having a genetic run of spike protein in the body, produced maybe for a month or more, we keep loading the body. And I think the progressive accumulation of the spike protein is exceedingly likely to lead to chronic diseases. And I can tell you the type of chronic diseases we're worried about. We're worried about chronic neurodegenerative diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, we're worried about uh, the recurrent risk of things that the FDA agrees on, like um, like uh, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Right. There, are other, there are other commonly reported uh, syndromes, tinnitus, ringing in the ears, uh, refractory headaches, uh, seizures, uh, uh, cortical and ocular blindness, uh, uh, tinnitus, ringing in the ears, the uh, um, spinal uh, uh, transverse myelitis. In, in uh, the press briefing by Senator Ron Johnson, there was an orthopedic surgeon who had that paralytic syndrome that happened. So this whole range of neurologic syndromes, very, very concerning. And then the cardiac syndromes, I mentioned myocarditis, but also myocardial infarction. There was a recent abstract in the American uh, Heart Association demonstrating a skyrocketing of factors that are related to triggering heart attacks in adults after the vaccine. And so there's great concern that the myocarditis, if it's missed clinically, it may be subclinical or people may just kind of shrug it off when they're sick with symptoms after the vaccine, could lead to uh, either the development of heart failure later on or cardiac death. And mm. so you, you remember with myocarditis, the key uh, principle is they can have no physical activity. Physical activity makes yeah. it way worse. And we've seen a rash of athletes die that on the crazy. field. I think we're up yeah. to 163 athletes that may have taken the vaccine in, in the preceding months. And, mm -hmm. and this is of great concern. And then yeah. clearly these, these hematologic syndromes, I think they're going to be much more rare, but there's called vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea. That's where there's bleeding and clotting at the same time. Patients go into multi-system organ failure. And now there's even obituaries working, written up about VITT in the peer-reviewed literature. So this is a brand new vaccine-induced disease. You can imagine if the boosters each time just numerically add on to a cumulative incidence rate or potentially right. amplify it. And then we have these chronic diseases that can emerge. And I'll just say one last chronic disease, pure. it's just theoretical now, but we know from work by Bruce Patterson that it's not just the S1 segment that's stuck in the body. You know, after the respiratory illness, he found the S1 segment, the outer segment of the spike protein. There's only two seg segments, S1 and S2. With vaccines, he found both segments because it's a systemic production. It's not, it's not a virus that's fought off in the mouth. It's actually systemically injected into deltoid muscle, uh, the, the genetic code. And so he found the S1 and S2. The reason why this is important, Todd, is that the S2 segment the Chinese have shown in a peer-reviewed publication interacts with two cancer genes. One is the P53 gene and the other one is the BRCA gene. So now that we know this, you know, I think two, if you ask me clinically, shot one, shot two, is that going to be a risk for chronic disease? No, I'm not seeing anything. I think after a year, vast majority of people took these shots are perfectly fine. 
I think mm-hmm. no harm, no foul. We get into boosters. Yeah. Uh, I, I change my opinion because if we keep putting in a pro-cancer stimulatory uh, protein installed in the human body, exposed over years, mm-hmm. I think it's a completely different calculus. What about, uh, there's a lot of, you know, this guy was killed in Germany, this physician uh, talking about graphite oxide, graphene oxide. Do you know anything about that? Is that a danger? Is that a... No, no, I don't. I mean, there's because the manufacturers have not disclosed kind of the full contents of the vaccines, it's led to great conjecture. And I think that the most important thing the manufacturers can do is just disclose what's in the vaccines. I personally... Uh, I think that that's the smartest thing to do. Why, why leave it open to conjecture? I was shocked with the most recent um, interchange on a lawsuit fire, uh, filed by uh, Aaron uh, Siri and Elizabeth Brem against mm-hmm. Pfizer and the FDA. They actually are suing just for release of the Pfizer dossier. Yeah. So 30 external experts can uh, fairly review the data. I'm one of the 30 experts, so I, I know about the case. And I was shocked when the lawyers for the FDA responded to the courts and said they wanted to wait till 2076 to release the documents to us. Now, I can tell you, I'm not going to live that long to review the dossier. And why do they do things like this? All that does is raise suspicions that they have something to hide. And so I think, yeah, the vaccine manufacturers, this lack of transparency is hurting them greatly. It's one of the reasons why people aren't walking into the vaccine centers is that manufacturers are not being transparent with their data. So I've asked you this before, but uh, maybe some new things have come to light. If someone has taken the vaccine, maybe two shots, say a Pfizer, what treatments can they do to try to prevent the long-term effects of the virus? Ivermectin, any other, I've heard black seed oil, dandelion tea that helps with the spike protein issues. Do you know anything about that? No, there are no randomized trials. Uh, I mean, right now, the the hardest thing is actually diagnosis and treatment of these injury syndromes. So let's take headache as an example. Someone uh, has the worst headache of their life. Uh, We know in a paper from the journal Hypertension that some people can have a marked increase in uh, blood pressure and have catastrophic events like subarachnoid hemorrhage, aortic dissection. So acute headache, it has its own uh, issues. We know from the FDA warnings on Johnson and Johnson, that there can be transverse and central uh, cavernous venous thrombosis in the brain. So it's a different syndrome. Yeah. So just headache alone means axial imaging, sometimes a lumbar puncture. I mean, you know, that in alone it by itself. Then you take the next syndrome. How about chest pain? Well, is it myocarditis or not? That means a trip to the emergency room, uh, history and physical, cardiac troponin, ECG, cardiac imaging with echocardiography or MRI. These vaccine injury syndromes are costing the healthcare an enormous amount of money. You can imagine these have occurred in the hundreds of thousands. We're approaching a million vaccine injuries and just the differential diagnosis alone (laughs) and and treatment. So Mm -hmm. in my practice, for instance, I've had two cases where there's been blood clots in women in the arm, in the same arm where they've received the shot. Well, that can involve uh, blood thinners, uh, you know, clot busting dr- drugs, yeah. surgeries. Um, y- you know, it is uh, it, it is a substantial illness. This vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea involves hospitalization. So, just making the diagnosis and treatment is difficult. People, what people are asking is, you know, is there a way I can have my cake and eat it too? Some people right. are listen. I take the vaccine, but I don't want to lose my job. So, is there an yeah. anecdote I can take? 
It's like, wow, that is the biggest moral hazard in the world. So here you want, you're going to take a shot that you don't want, that you know is not safe, and then you want some type of anecdote in order for you to take that shot. You know, we have gotten ourselves into a really perverse cycle of thinking at this point in time. Obviously, the safest thing for health is don't take the shot. Yeah. So how do we hold the medical community, the government agencies accountable that have pushed this on us? Obviously, for, I think, nefarious reasons. Uh, it's not has nothing to do with health at this point, I don't think, in many ways, especially vaccinating children, locking down people, the unvaccinated. I mean, we're gone way past health at this point. How do, how do we hold them accountable? You know, we need some type of authoritative body to start yeah. digging into what's called regulatory capture. Uh, there's been so much money that's flowed from various federal and other vaccine stakeholder sources to medical institutions to uh, encourage them to not only vaccinate their workers, to have mandates, to give FAQs and have them follow party lines. Uh, do you know these institutions, specifically state, don't use medical treatments to treat COVID-19? Yeah. They specifically state that only uh, a very strict and minimal protocols can be used to treat COVID-19 in the hospital. It doesn't allow any physician judgment or creativity. We've never had this uh, in the history of medicine. Uh, and you know, this, this money has just been pouring in with what's called regulatory capture. So I think yeah. so many organizations, as soon as they receive federal funds, they start setting up audit um, uh, uh, prevention uh, approaches by saying, listen, we got to check to make sure that everyone's towing the line. Is, is everybody promoting the vaccine without any <laughs> regard to safety? So wow. I think the best way, I think the best thing, honestly, I think we're at the point now of um, it's really in the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. It's going to be individuals who decide, I don't see any interest in these uh, boosters whatsoever. The interest in child vaccination is low. I was on with uh, Dan Ball from Real America. Dan had survey data. Yep. I think it was 27% of Americans we can consider ch childhood vaccination, um, uh, you know, to have the kids really become sick after the vaccines. The parents are going to be um, uh, very, very unhappy when they see that in their children. And they know, and they know, we, you know, they've had enough warning at, sure. the, at the pediatric meetings in September and October. There were two analyses, one by Hogue, uh, which was presented by the external presenters, uh, demonstrating that a child age 12 to 17, would be more likely to be hospitalized with myocarditis than be hospitalized with COVID-19, the respiratory illness. And then separately, an analysis by Kostoff, uh, published in Toxicology Reports, show that at any age, one is more likely to die after the vaccine than actually take your chances with COVID-19, the respiratory illness. And, and that's a, a really steep, unfavorable Ratio. Both those analyses were not disputed by the FDA. They're in the meeting minutes of the FDA. So it is generally known the vaccines will cause more harm than good. Well, with that, doctor, thank you for your time. I want to have you back on down the road. Uh, I really appreciate the insight. Uh, one of the leading voices out there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye.